Our text today, the theme verse is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. But we will be expositing over in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 16. That 2 Corinthians passage we quote often, and this message today is a continuation of moving into the new year and some considerations how that truly in Jesus Christ it can be an incredibly exciting new year. That passage in 2 Corinthians, our theme, is that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation, creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. The next verse begins by saying, and this is of God. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray that whoever we are, whatever this past year was like, whatever our life is like, that we will sense within us the new, the exciting, the next level that you have for us in our relationship with you and knowing that it is of you. I pray for this word. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for our glad and joyful acceptance of your touch to our heart. Forgive us of our sins in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The title of the message is Extreme Makeover. It's been quite a few years, I think, and I never watched the program, but I love the title. The Extreme Makeover, the home edition, where somebody's home would be just absolutely, totally redone for them. They would not get to see the progress as it was taking place. And you know that when everything was ready, the family would be assembled there and there'd be this huge bus in front of the house. And then they would say, move that bus. And then they would see how that their home had been made over. And this comes to my heart so often when I think about what Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ has come to do. And that is that Jesus Christ has done to make over our life. And I put in parentheses here, I don't play golf, but I know when I do once every 10 years, I am constantly asking, can I have a do-over? Can I have a do-over, you know? And uh, those I'm with are not very gracious, so, you know, I don't get a do-over. But I am so grateful that when we reach points in our life or whatever, and it doesn't have to be just this horrible, terrible thing. It's just that we sense in our heart that there's more now. You know, I want to I go deeper. I want to go higher. And God there is ready to make us over. Every once in a while, I will use the illustration of back after World War II when the Communist Party in America was a very public party, an acceptable party, and recruited recruited Americans to be a part of the Communist Party. And that's what led to such an uproar in the Senate. And there was this communist leader recruiting in a park one day. And there was a poor gentleman in that crowd there 
that was dressed poorly and it was obviously, obviously, you know, that things were not going well for him. And the communists said, communism will put a new suit on that man. Thank God a Christian in the crowd spoke up and said, and Jesus Christ will put a new man in that suit. Amen. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. In the outline, I am following a little cliche motto that I have seen through the years, and that is, how in the world do, do we become a part of what God is doing and what God wants to do in our life? The first thing is, is that we need to be reminded that every saint has a past. And that's where Philippians chapter 3 is so important in our study today. And let's not get sidetracked by the word saint. We think of it as an individual that is perfect. But a saint is an individual that has committed their lives to Jesus Christ, made themselves available for whatever his call is upon their life, and has identified with, with them. And the Apostle Paul in the opening to most of his churches says, and I greet the saints who are at. So let's don't get confused by saint by meaning, okay, you know, we're talking about people who are perfect. Now, I'm going to work my way through this, and I think, I believe that it's going to go well, if you will kind of bear with me. But I see this here, and that is in sharing with a contemporary audience, sharing with where we are and what Jesus wants to do in our life, I think we need to be reminded that we are all eligible for a do-over, we are all eligible for a makeover, and that if we will look at those today that we consider saints, heroes of the faith, dedicated, committed, and be reminded that God brought them from a past to where they are. These are the ways under this first point that the Lord impressed upon my heart. To begin with the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul, I always call him the Apostle Paul. I'm, I've never gotten gone to where I could go back and call him Saul before his salvation experience. But, the, but Saul, before he became the Apostle Paul, his mindset, his mindset that he was too good to get saved. He was just absolutely too good to get saved. And I think this speaks to an element, not back, only back through the ages, but today, you know, we have individuals that they don't see anything wrong with their life. There's not anything that needs improving on and that they are good and that they are all right. And so therefore they don't need Jesus Christ. They don't need Christianity. They are too good to be saved. I need to watch my time. I forgot exactly when I started. But I remind you of the, the day, the afternoon that my wife and I went door to door in an inner city neighborhood in New Orleans and sharing the faith with individuals and inviting them to then the Superdome that night where Billy Graham was going to be preaching. And we used the evangelism explosion outline, and that is where once you, you know, identify yourself and the people are agreeable for a few moments to interact with you and converse, and you begin to get acquainted about their religious preference, their church preference, and then you ask that in-your-face question, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? Well, I know you believe it, but everybody's going to heaven based on that neighborhood. Amen? Yeah, I'm going to heaven. Yeah. 
It reminds me, and I don't know that y'all know this, that I've said this, but I, I, I think the wrong word is spent, but I spent a year as a chaplain in a federal woman's prison outside Louisville, Kentucky. The seminary sent me there. And I want to tell you, in that nine months in counseling, teaching the Bible, do you realize that in our prison system today that none of them are guilty? Did you know that? They're all innocent. I kid you not. Every one of them. The cop set me up. The judge had it in for me. You know, I'm not supposed to be here. Have you seen the interviews? Boy, I am off way out yonder right now, but I'll come back. Have you seen the interview with the new district attorney in Manhattan where he is legalizing things that a week ago were crimes and are not going to prosecute things that are our crimes? And so when an interviewer asks him, you know, what are, what are we going to do with the criminals? Did you hear him? He said, now this is, this is speak today. Well, it all depends upon your definition of a criminal. Well, the world has defined criminals a lot different than you and I, amen? So we, we are living in a world where people think, I don't need Jesus, I'm good enough already. And we, when we would ask people, you know, are you going to heaven? They would say yes. And when we would say, well, how do you know? Well, I live by the golden rule. Well, I don't talk about people. Well, I try to help people. And I'm telling you, that's the way the Apostle Paul was. He is a saint in our estimation. But he had a past that he depended upon that he was just too good. He didn't need Jesus. He didn't need this new movement. And when you look at verses 1 through 6 there, you begin to see his resume. And his resume is really outlined there beginning... Uh, right in that closing verse of that passage, and he says, well, I was born of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. And concerning the righteousness, right relationship, which is in the law, I was blameless. The apostle Paul says, his resume is, I checked all the boxes. I don't need this Jesus. I don't need this movement. I don't need to get saved. But something was missing in Saul's life. Something was missing. And that something, someone, Jesus Christ. And he met Jesus. And that persecutor of the church that individual that consented to the stoning death of Stephen, that individual that had letters to go to Damascus and drag Christians into the street, imprison them, persecute them, even to execute some of them, that individual that in his mind, he was good, he was all right, he was okay, I don't need all of that. That man met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, amen? And he became a missionary. Well, let's go to the other extreme. There may be some folks that when we talk about getting saved, becoming a Christian, a makeover, some may be on the other extreme all the way over from the Apostle Paul, and that, and that is they feel about themselves, well, I'm, 
I'm too bad to get saved. You don't know what I've done, preacher. Can, can God forgive me? I'll actually have people ask me every once in a while, am I good enough for your church? Well, obviously they hadn't looked around, have they? Amen. <laughs> Ain't none of us good enough. But I mean, it's in their heart and I'm sympathetic to them. You know, I'm too bad to get saved and, and I will take some grief for this, but it's the best illustration and that is the woman at the well in John chapter four because she is an individual she is an individual that absolutely, it is obvious, had reached a point in life where she was beyond help. She was beyond hope. And this passage is so incredible because she speaks, she talks, she has a conversation with Jesus. Paul checked all the right boxes. This lady had checked all the wrong boxes. She checked all the wrong ones. Some of it was not her fault. She was born a Samaritan. They were despised by the Jews. And this always bothers me, and someday we'll do a study on it. And she was a woman. And they were considered not to have any standing in society whatsoever. And I remind you that Jesus was one of the first liberators of the status of women in the world. And so when she and Jesus have the encounter at Jacob's well there outside Sychar, a Samaritan city, and he asked her for a drink of water. Her first question is, why are you a Jew asking a Samaritan woman to give you a drink of water? She was a Samaritan. She was a woman. And she had failed in all of the personal relationships of her life. And as a result of all of that, she had given up on herself. And you say, how do you know that? And I'm not the first to share it, and you remember it. The very fact that she is at the well in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, when the women of the city would go early in the morning to get water for the cooking, for the cleaning of the day, she goes when nobody else is at the well. Why? Because she just does not feel worthy. She just does not feel worthy. And obviously, I would say that they made her feel less than worthy. And so she had given up on herself. And in her mind, I'm, I've just done too much, too much to be saved. I've done too much. There's no hope. There's no help for me. And I know that this mindset is out there with some folks, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart, and that is, I'm reminded, and it was such a great revelation. Joel Osteen was preaching on the woman caught in adultery. I don't use her as an example because she didn't speak that we have recorded, except I see no man, Lord. When Jesus asked her as they were about to stone her to death, and then he told them, whoever is without sin, amen, cast the first stone. And they began to go away from the oldest to the youngest. And Jesus said, where are your accusers? And she said, I see no man, Lord. And this is what it said. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Joel flipped that thing. And I thought, this is an aha moment. Jesus didn't say, go and sin no more. And then I won't condemn you. 
Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Now you go and sin no more. And Paul became a missionary. This woman became an evangelist. Amen? And she went back into the city and began to tell everybody about Jesus Christ and great numbers believed in him. And she is a distinguished follower of Jesus. But she had a past. And then the third under this point one, and that is not only do some people think they're too good to get saved, some may think they're too bad to get saved, but I'm telling you, I can't speak for the last thousands of years, but we most definitely are living in a day and age when people think that they are too smart to get saved. Just absolutely too smart. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 through 25, if I get to it real quick, it is amazing here, chapter 1 in 1 Corinthians, and that is where the apostle says, where, where's the wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And then he says, we preach Christ crucified, and to the Jews it's a stumbling block, and to the Greeks it is foolishness. And in Acts chapter 17, the apostle Paul finds himself sitting in a group of individuals there outside Athens who considered themselves the intellectuals and they wanted to talk to the apostle Paul about this Jesus and about this movement and about what it's all about. And at the close of the chapter, it says, when the apostle finished, some of them just absolutely mocked him. But some believed. We live in a world, we live in a world, we call them liberals, they call them progressives. By any other name, they are as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. Amen. The best definition I ever heard of a liberal or a progressive is someone that has both feet planted firmly in the air. Both feet planted firmly in the air and there are people in this world that they are, feel like they are just too smart for Jesus. And I want to give two examples and I give them so, so in simple, very brief form that follow the mindset of those in Athens in Acts chapter 17. And that is the little book that is still laying out there, The Case for Christmas by Lee Strobel. Lee Strobel absolutely was an atheist and he just, he just could not believe all this thing about Jesus. But then, one of my favorite is of this past century, a generation that I overlapped, we overlapped with, and that is C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis just absolutely could not believe in Christianity and could not believe in Jesus. So Lee Strobel began an investigative research and C.S. Lewis spent half his life in an intellectual research. And these two guys checked all the boxes, but one, I call it the Jesus box. They investigated everything. And C.S. Lewis 
The watermark of his atheist days was number one, that God did not exist. And I think about when the Russians sent that first person into space out of an atheistic nation and he came back and he smugly said, I didn't see God. And probably some good old boy from South Georgia said, if he'd have stepped out of that thing, he'd have seen God. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if he'd have stepped out of that thing, he would have seen God. And C.S. Lewis believed and Strobel right along that Jesus was a myth. That he was a myth. The Bible is a myth. It's made up like all the fables of the cultures of the world. Paul became a missionary. The woman at the well became an evangelist. And Lee Strobel and C.S. Lewis have become apologists, defenders, and advocates for Jesus Christ. They're saints, but they had a past. I'm a saint. You didn't know that? But I got a past. If you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're a saint. But you've got a past too. Doesn't have to be terrible, dark, deep, and unbelievable. No. But I cannot believe that my time is about up here. So secondly, we need to say the second part of that little motto, not only does every saint have a past, but every sinner has a future. Has a future. Paul became a missionary. Go figure. The woman at the well became an evangelist. Go figure. C.S. Lewis and Lee Strobel became defenders of the faith. Go figure. Sinners become saints. How? And so we look at verses 7 through 14 of this chapter 3. It all began with Jesus. It all began with Jesus. Paul had a radical revelation on the road to Damascus, Acts 9. I love the contrast. The woman at the well had a conversation with a gentle Jesus. Isn't that nice? Middle of the day, she's given up on herself. She's really a train wreck. I mean, there's not anything going right in her life. And so Jesus looks at this woman and he says, would you get me a drink of water? Why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me? And he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink. And I would give you a drink of water that would well up into you as a spring of everlasting life. And you would never thirst again. She said, I want that water so that I don't ever have to come back to this place and draw water again. And Jesus then said, go get your husband, and you know the story. She said, I don't have a husband. I'm just, I haven't done too well in that part in my life. And Jesus says, you speak, you're speaking the truth. And then she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. And then they get to the discussion about how he knows all this about her, and then she says, we know that when Messiah comes, and here Jesus says to her, he that speaks to you, I am 
the Messiah. Boom. Man, she shot out of there like out of a cannon, ran back to town and said, we have found the Messiah. And it was a loving, gentle conversation with Jesus. How did Lee Strobel and C.S. Lewis come to believe in Jesus? They discovered that he is the answer and that sin is the problem. I wanted to read so much to you out of C.S. Lewis's life, but all of the time is not here. But C.S. Lewis finally came to the point, what are we going to do about sin in this world? What are we going to do about it? Something needs to be done about it. And in late night discussions with J.R.R. Tolkien of the Lord of the Rings and and Hobbits, C.S. Lewis began to study Romans 6 and began to realize that yes, one man can die for all the sins of the world. And he became aware Jesus invites us to die with him on the cross, but to be resurrected with him to life eternal. And he became a believer. It all begins with Jesus, the Apostle Paul says. And then it begins with forgetting the past. He says here that I forget those things which are behind. I forget them. And I want to make this very simple. How do we forget the past? How do we leave it? Well, it's simple. The next phrase says, I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I'm pressing toward the goal for the prize. For the prize that is mine in Christ Jesus. Every sinner has a future. It begins with Jesus. It begins by leaving that past, by reaching forward to what God has for us. And now the last. You're going to like the way you look. I like that. It's the old men's warehouse commercial. Bearded, gravelly-voiced guy, advertising suits. And I loved it when he said, you're going to like the way you look. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. And I want to tell you, You're going to like the way you look. Move that bus. Jesus has got a new person waiting for you. He's got a new person. Two quotes from Michelangelo. Someone asked Michelangelo, the great sculptor, of course, Christian-themed, and said, when you approach a large slab of marble or granite or whatever. How do you know what to do? And he said, well, I have come to the conclusion that in every, every piece that I start to work on, there's an angel waiting to get out. And then someone asked him, how do you do it? And he said, I chip away everything that doesn't look like We're made in the image of God, 
And there's a person within us in our spirit that God wants to save. And he's got the hammer and the chisel out, and I'm telling you, he's done a lot of chiseling on my life. And he just wants to take away the things that we don't like. But you're going to like the way you look. Brand new year. All things can become new in Jesus. James comes to lead us in a hymn of invitation.